I'm Roy Furr. This is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, and it's Monday, which means it's time to open up the mailbox and answer your questions about copywriting, marketing, business building, and more. Today, we're going to be talking about conversion rate optimization and turning whatever funnel you have, as long as it's got a pulse, into a seven-figure sales funnel. So with that, let's dive into the notes. We're as always, on Mailbox Monday, we start off with the question, how to uncover conversion rate optimization opportunity. So the question that came in was, would love to understand all the nuances and details of going through a marketing funnel and help my clients increase their conversions. Um, so this person wants to know, you know, how do you look at a marketing funnel and break it down and find opportunities to get more leads, customer sales, and profits from the funnel. If you have a question like this you'd like to have an answered in an upcoming Mailbox Monday episode, check the link in the description to ask Roy your question. Let's get to the answer. Okay, stepping back for a minute, the secret to seven-figure sales and marketing funnels is that they usually, usually don't launch that way. So something becomes a seven-figure sales funnel, seven-figure marketing funnel, it usually didn't launch just like screaming out of the gates. Usually what happened is it launched and it got tested and different aspects of it seemed to perform well, other aspects of it didn't perform as well, but it, it got tested and there was iterations and then eventually it got to a point where it was making the kind of economics where the amount of money coming out was strong enough, advantageous enough relative to the amount of money going in that the marketer was really able to lean into scaling. Uh, and so this is especially true for cold traffic when you're paying for traffic. You know, something isn't necessarily gonna become a seven-figure sales funnel until you've proven it, until you've made sure it works. And for this next little bit, I, I'm thinking of the Fat Boy, the Fat Boy Slim song. Uh, eat, sleep, rave, repeat. Eat, sleep, rave, repeat, right? Uh, this is launch, test, tweak, repeat. Launch, test, tweak, repeat. And then scale. So if you want to build a seven-figure sales funnel, a seven-figure marketing funnel, right? Uh, it is about launching it. Number one, you got to get it out the door before you're going to generate any revenue. Testing, because uh, essentially what you're doing, I mean, almost no matter what, as soon as you're putting it out the door, you're testing. It's even better if maybe you're testing a couple variations out of the gate, but then you're going to tweak it uh, because things, as you look at the stats, things are not going to be working as well as you'd like them to at some point in the funnel. And then you're going to test it again and tweak it again and test it and tweak it and test it and tweak it until it's giving you the kinds of numbers that really allow you to lean in to just put the pedal to the metal in terms of investing in any kind of cold traffic or promoting it through partnerships or affiliates and all that stuff, that's when you start to be able to scale. So if you launch a funnel out of the gate and it's not profitable, that's not necessarily a problem. Now, if it doesn't have a pulse at all, right? If you send a thousand people to a sales page, and you're not able to get any conversions, well, okay, that's a different story. But if you send a thousand people to a sales page and it costs you $1,000 and you make like $500 in sales, that might seem like a big failure, right? But if you made $500 in sales, that means there is some kind of pulse. And if you were to find one thing 
that could perform 25% better. And another thing that could perform 25% better, you've already increased the results by over 50% because they're going to compound on each other. And another thing that's going to per perform 25% better, another thing that's going to perform 25% better. And these are fairly small increases for just a, you know, an unoptimized, just raw funnel. Well, when you find four or five things, suddenly you turn this prof this this funnel from making fifty percent ROI on paid traffic to uh, being more than profitable. And yeah, I'm just throwing out numbers that are inexact and aren't representative of a specific funnel, but they do illustrate the principle that if you find a few opportunities to increase and optimize the conversion rate, something that may start out looking like it's not that exciting could turn into something that is significantly scalable. So um, two big rules. So I, I love to start with principles, strategies, like the big rules, big thinking before we get into the nitty gritty, before we get into the tiny details. Two big rules for testing sales funnels is to, number one, start at the top, right? Number one is to say, um, okay, who is seeing, or, or which element of this funnel is getting the most impressions? Which element of this funnel is being seen most often? Uh, and, and typically that's not even on your site, not even in the funnel, it's typically in the paid ads themselves. And if you can improve the performance of your paid ads, so for example, maybe you can double your click-through rate of paid ads by testing a bunch of different ads. Well suddenly you have twice as many people coming through to your next step in the funnel, right? And then if you test that, um, then you can maybe get twice as many people going from that step to the next. And you always wanna start where there's the highest traffic because that's where it's easiest to get statistically significant data first. So let's flip this around and say, okay, we have like this three, three offer funnel, right? We have a very front end offer, we have an upsell and we have like an espresso machine offer, some like super high ticket. And could it be valuable to test that third offer? Yes, but when you're dealing with any kind of marketing testing, you always want statistical significance before you make a final decision about what the winner was. And so if you are testing the third step in the funnel, uh, but you're not able to drive a ton of traffic into the funnel, well, how many people actually saw that, that third offer? How many people converted? How many people didn't convert? Uh, how many people converted on test panel A? How many people converted on test panel B? And you're gonna struggle to get any kind of statistically valid result from a test that's deep in the funnel. So you wanna start at the top, uh, where we have the most traffic, the most impressions, and we want to figure out what's going to get the most people to the next step. And then from there, the most people to the next step after that and the next step after that, uh, because you want to take advantage of, um, of, of the fact that it's, it becomes much easier to get statistical significance when you have a big number of people. And, and by the way, um, if your tool does not have this built in, looking up split test statistical significance calculator, even split test calculator will tell you, you know, is something at least 95% likely to continue to perform in this way, which is what you're generally looking for as a minimum. 
Okay, so rule number one, we'll start at the top. Rule number two is the conversion event. So you wanna pay attention to the conversion event and you wanna step back and you wanna think, okay, um, what is the actual conversion event at this step? So I use the, the ads as an example, driving traffic into the funnel. Well, there's actually a couple potential conversion events um, at that step. One conversion event could be an actual view or engagement with the ad. Uh, and so different types of leads and different ads. So for example, in a YouTube ad, the view actually happens once the, the viewer has watched a certain amount. In a Facebook ad, the, the, the engagement might actually be clicking on the see more link, right? So that's one conversion event there. And if you can increase performance there, then presumably you're gonna increase performance down the line. Not always, but as a general rule, yes. Um, if you can, the second conversion event on that ad is clicking through to whatever your initial landing page is, right? And so you wanna identify all of these conversion events. What are all the actions that somebody takes as they go through your funnel? There's gonna be, um, you know, initially seeing an ad, having the impression of the ad, but then there's going to be some type of engagement with the ad, and then there's going to be clicking on the ad, and then there's going to be, um, once that landing page loads, assuming that it loads well, there's going to be maybe the conversion is, um, is, is entering their email address and submitting their email address. Maybe the conversion is clicking on the add cart button. Maybe the conversion, whatever the conversion event is, you want to break it down and identify in your funnel, there's not just one big conversion, which is the sale that happens at the end. There's a bunch of micro conversions that happen. And so you wanna be able to isolate and identify what those different conversions are and be able to see what the data is for those conversions. Because when you're testing, what you're looking to do is you're looking to increase the conversions at every single step, as long as it's relevant, right? Uh, when you're when you're dealing with a really big funnel, uh, there's going to be a lot of relevance at all the steps. If you're dealing with a if you're dealing with a funnel that doesn't get a ton of traffic, there may be just a few conversion events that you're really going to optimize for. So, how do you pick the best spots in your funnel to test and to tweak? Well, I was very fortunate. My very first freelance copywriting client was David Bullock, who brought Taguchi testing to the internet marketing crowd, and Taguchi is an advanced statistical methodology for testing uh, essentially thousands of different test panels in maybe a dozen or 16 different tests. And it came out of manufacturing, uh, specifically on, on like a, a, a Toyota, right? A Toyota car being manufactured. They could say, okay, well, we could have, um, this windshield or this windshield. We could have this fuel injection system or this fuel injection system. We could have these locks or these locks, right? We could have all sorts of different choices that could be made about the different components that could go in. And Genichi Taguchi, who was this um, manufacturing expert and statistician, uh, came up with the statistical model that allowed them to build like 16 versions of the car and then from those 16 versions, extrapolate what the best of like 4,000 or 9,000 or depending on the, the model used, however many variations there could have been in total, right? And all of this to say, like Taguchi testing is not necessarily something that I'm going to recommend for any 
internet marketers today. It certainly has relevance in a very small um, number of very high volume testers, right? Uh, for 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 this this small group of people, it may be relevant. But the big lesson that you learn from Taguchi testing as applied to marketing is you develop this x-ray vision for what different marketing contains. And so on a particular um, on a particular ad, you may have the headline, the subheadline, the image, the salutation, the price, the guarantee terms, the offer, the call to action, the the link, uh, link text on the call to action. You may have all of these different things. And if you can identify what all of those different elements are, well, then you might start to uh, be able to break down the different things to test and to tweak, right? So if we're thinking, okay, we have a Facebook ad and, um, and we want to test different Facebook ad options. And really what we're trying to do is get higher engagement from a Facebook ad. And then once we find what gets the best engagement, we can run a couple different tests for what gets the best clicks, right? So when somebody sees a Facebook ad in their newsfeed, they see those first couple lines of text, they see the image, they see a headline, they see the call to action button, right? So we're starting to break it down, we're developing that x-ray vision and we're saying, okay, what are the different items that are gonna make the biggest difference? And uh, you know, people who have done a lot of Facebook testing will tell you that that image is usually one of the biggest things. Having some kind of compelling text right before the see more text that makes people want to actually click that link, right? That's gonna make a big difference. Um, certain aspects of the, the, the headline on the ad, um, which is actually below the image, those can make a difference, right? But the biggest things are gonna be the image and then the initial text, right? The, the first couple lines of, of text that you see before the ad is expanded. And then after that, the body copy of that ad is gonna make a difference, right? Um, but the, the key here is to identify okay, if our conversion event is getting someone to click that see more and engage with the ad, well, there's going to be a limited number of things that are gonna make a big difference there. If our goal is to get them, uh, once they have clicked see more to click through to the funnel, there's going to be a limited number of things that make a big difference there, right? So you're looking for the limited number of things that make a big difference. And there's a reference to little hinges swing big doors. Um, and so oftentimes it is fairly small items that make the biggest difference when you're testing different, uh, you know, different approaches to a single piece of marketing. So a brand new headline that comes at it from a different angle contains a, a, a different idea, a different approach to the idea that's worded completely differently. So it's not, it's not like how to versus how I with the same benefit, right? It's, it's two completely different approaches to headline writing, two completely different uh, headline frameworks that you might use. And one of those is gonna outperform the other. But it's one of those little hinges because it's one of the first things that you see. The image is a little hinge that swings big doors because it's one of the most obvious things that our eyes are drawn to. The call to action, the price of a product, these are the little hinges that tend to swing the big doors. And when you're testing these things, you wanna test big differences. So you don't test necessarily two different pictures of the same person 
in the same outfit to see what's going to convert more. You want like a man and a woman or a family versus a, a businessman or you want big differences, right? That's an example of the visual. I was talking about having two completely different approaches to the headline, testing $27 price versus $97 price, right? Those are big differences, right? And sometimes it's going to be intuitive, which one is going to outperform. Sometimes it's going to be counterintuitive, right? But either way, either way, it's about finding those things that are um, either, number one, obvious in the first couple seconds, when you load a page, right? Or number two, essential to making that conversion decision. So like price is an example. Price in most direct response pages is not essential to make, or I mean, it's not visible in the first few seconds after you load the page, but it is essential to making the conversion decision. And so if somebody's gonna decide if they want something, they're gonna wanna know the price first, and then they're gonna click add to cart, right? Or buy now or whatever, whatever the conversion item is. And so something that's visible in the first couple seconds or something that is essential to making that conversion decision, either one, those are going to be good things to test. Now, if you want more resources and more thinking along these lines, I have two separate trainings. I actually probably have more relevant training inside my BTMS Insiders Members Library, but these are the first two I thought of. Number one is finding gold in your funnel stats, where I actually walk through the kind of breakdown that you can do of a complete funnel and identifying all the conversion events and all the uh, tracking that you want to do and show how I go through this exact same thinking process. And number two is the scientific path to increasing profits, which is more about the uh, test design and the thinking required to actually get in there and start doing conversion rate optimization. So my call to action for you at the end of this episode is number one, if you're here, ask yourself how you can use what you've just heard. Uh, number two, make sure you like and subscribe so you get more content like this delivered to you. Number three, check the links in the description. It's finding gold in your funnel stats, the scientific path to increasing profits. Both of those are inside the BTMS Insider streaming library of copywriting and marketing courses. And if you have a question that you'd like to have me answer in an upcoming Mailbox Monday episode, that link is in the description as well. I'm Roy Fur. this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, and I'll catch you again in the next episode. See you soon. Bye. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.